0: Everybody's doing good today? Nice and chilly outside. Come on, some of you got out some sweaters and some sweatpants and some hoodies. You haven't seen it in a long time. The sweaters actually passed out to family heirloom. I don't even know where it was. It just dusted out of my dad's closet. I was like, hey, it's like 1984. I don't know. I don't have a lot of sweaters. Somebody got a lot of sweaters in Florida? I don't know why you would unless you just moved here from somewhere really, really cold. That has nothing to do, we're talking about. It's just, we make a big thing. It's like, it's like a national holiday or a state holiday when it's cold here in Florida. Your Facebook, your Instagram's full of it right now. We're gonna be okay. It's gonna be 60. We're gonna be at the pool later. So, hey, we're gonna get into uh, <clears throat> to week four. Uh, of Too Good to Not Believe. And we had an amazing weekend, last weekend celebrating our uh, eighth anniversary. Come on, did you guys enjoy last week? Eight years of reaching and connecting people. Just last week alone, we saw 58 people make a decision to follow Jesus. And then 36 of you uh, made the next step uh, and went public with your faith in baptism. And I just want you to know, if you went public last week, in that cold water, like the, your salvation really stuck, like you're good, like you, you, you made a public de- declaration that cost you something. You know, something worth value costs something, that baptism cost you something, maybe some years off your life, and uh, we thank you for that, the Lord thanks you for that, I'm totally kidding, but celebrate the 36 of you uh, that, that took that next step. Uh, and then a couple of things, a couple of announcements before we get into Luke chapter five, which will be our passage t- uh, today to close out this series, is in two weeks, everybody say two weeks two weeks, we're starting Lights, Camera, Action across all of our locations. Uh, If you're new with us, it's our favorite series of the year. Uh, And if you call Action Church home, this is a great opportunity. Uh, Lights, Camera, Action, Songfest, along with Christmas and Easter are great opportunities for you to put your faith in action and and actually go out into the community outside of these four walls and invite people uh, to church. And uh, we have invite cards across all of our locations uh, on your way out today, grab some, and here's the thing, be praying about, over the next two weeks, who you're gonna invite, and then invest in their life. Pray for them, uh, buy them something, serve them in some way, and, and begin to start that relationship so that you can extend that invitation, and they'll join you for church, and we're just believing that hundreds of people are gonna find a brand new relationship with Jesus through those four weeks. Also in two weeks, everybody say two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks, two weeks. we're changing our service times across all uh, of our locations. Uh, we're doing that uh, because here at our Winter Park location, uh, our, 10, uh, our 11 o'clock service that we're moving is really full, and so we're kind of packing in the morning a little bit more, moving everything up a little bit, and so we're gonna have 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. services across all of our locations, and then here at Winter Park, we're gonna have a 9 a.m., a 10.30, and a noon. 9 a.m., 10.30, and noon, which means if you normally call the 10.30, or the 11, and now the 10.30 home, I'm gonna invite you at Winter Park to take a missions trip to the 9 a.m. or the noon. Some of you are never going overseas, but you can get up a little bit earlier or sleep in, have a couple meals, join us for the noon service. And here's the deal, we're gonna make a way for people, make a seat, create room so that people can come in and and meet Jesus. And so uh, we're excited about that, 9 a.m., 10.30 at noon. You'll also notice uh, that those are moving up And so if you're normally five or 10 minutes late, if you come normally, your normal time in two weeks, you're gonna miss the whole service. And so might as well stay for the next one. So that's actually a great idea. If you call 1030 service home, just just come late, miss that service and stay for the noon. Check it out and stay for a while, maybe a couple years, it'd be great. (laughs) Week four, too good to not believe. We are gonna be in Luke chapter five studying a, a passage of scripture Another miracle story that we find here, and we actually find this miracle story in three out of the four Gospels. The first four books of the New Testament are the Gospels. They are written accounts from people that were with Jesus, following Jesus, and they are writing about the the teachings, the the salvations, the healings, the life, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Three out of these four accounts uh, have this story, this passage in them. For context, what's happening up until Luke chapter five, Jesus has been baptized, Uh, He's been uh, uh, going out uh, gathering his disciples. He's already gone through his temptation and now he's starting to teach. He's starting his ministry in Capernaum and he's starting to teach, he's starting to heal and crowds are beginning to gather. We find in Mark chapter two of this story that Jesus in Capernaum, the crowds are gathering. He takes a break on Sunday, he goes to church. Even Jesus went to church. If Jesus needed church, come on somebody. Make sure you're going to church. Jesus goes to church, he goes back and starts healing people. People show up, crowds go. This says the next morning, he gets up, which kind of was his custom, to pray. He withdraws, crowds gather, he withdraws, he prays, and he actually left Capernaum. He left kind of the mini revival that was happening because he says, we have an assignment in Galilee. He goes to Galilee, and it's the same thing, teaching and freeing people from, from demons, healing people, people beginning to follow him. Then he comes back, He comes back to Capernaum and that's where we find it here in Luke chapter five that we're gonna read. Jesus has been traveling in ministry, he's back in Capernaum and the house is is packed and so we're gonna talk about this story of the crowd surrounding Jesus, but these four friends trying to get their friend to Jesus so that he could be healed. Verse 17 of Luke chapter five. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men, had showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man. In Luke's, uh, in, sorry, in Mark's Gospel, in Matthew's Gospel, let lets us know it's four. This, this passage in Luke says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles, and they lowered the sick man uh, on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, make sure you catch that in verse 20, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy, only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? It is super easy to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk. It's easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk. So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. It was almost like it was an afterthought because I need you to hear today, Action Church, at Winter Park, Sanford South, Oviedo Online. I need you you hear if you're nothing else. Jesus comes to heal your spiritual condition before he's worried about your physical condition. The, the, the physical healing was an afterthought. The physical healing was just for the benefit of the man. The physical healing was just to prove to the religious leaders and the Pharisees that Jesus can do what he says he's going to do. But I need you to hear today, before God wants to change your situation, he wants to change you. Before God wants to change what's happening maybe in your body or your mind, he wants to get into your spirit because he knows that the spirit is the only thing that will live for eternity. So there has to be a spiritual Change, you and I, we are spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. We are not human beings having a temporary spiritual experience. That's what we settle for, we, we're in and out. No, your spirit will live for eternity. So what Jesus did with his life, his death, his resurrection, what he did in the story, it shows us that Jesus is concerned with your spiritual life before your, your physical life. God, I was like preaching really hard and like running out of breath. I thought you would clap there. The other service clapped. No, I don't, need no, again, we don't do pity. Just one of those, you know, if you're new here, if I start going sideways or I start projecting a lot, it's just, just trying to have a conversation. You know what I mean? This is not a, not a performance. We are journeying through the word together and together would mean we're having a conversation and conversation, two people speak. It's just one of those things. Back to verse 25. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his map, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we've seen amazing things today. I also need you to catch here that Jesus wants to change your your spiritual life first, but once he changes your spiritual life, your physical life should change. Once God does something on the inside of you, says he got up and he walked away, he came in paralyzed, he walked out of the room on his own two feet. You cannot have a real encounter with Jesus and walk away the same. He does not just wanna heal the physical, he wants to heal the spiritual. He wants to heal the spiritual first, but the spiritual resurrection of your life, the spiritual healing, you having a relationship with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit should cause you to get up and walk differently. Should cause, let me give you some context to, to these men and how hard it was and the work that they had to do. First off, in this, uh, in this chapter, Luke chapter five, it's the only account in the Bible where forgiveness of sins and physical healing are combined and connected in the same story. This man, he had four incredible friends. They aren't named, but they're famous. I grew up hearing about them in Sunday school. The, The story is shared. I love that they're famous, but they're not named. I love they're famous for what they did, not who they are. And that is the gospel. That's what we're signing up for, building the church and building the things of God. It's not about you being named. It's about what you're a part of. These men are are known for what they did, not who they were. What if that was what said about your life and our church? It's not who we are or what we represent in ourselves. It's what we do for the, the kingdom of God. He had a great example of godly Friends, we're gonna to get to that in just a moment. There's a few things noteworthy, though, that I wanna talk about, because this wouldn't have been an easy task. I think we read the Bible, and we're like, yeah. They went up, they, 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 they opened up the roof, and they dropped in. No, homes in Israel were typically two stories, and we're, we're led to believe here through some context that this would have been Peter, Simon Peter's home, so they would have had the challenge of carrying up a full-grown, paralyzed man up two stories. Come on, some of us would struggle walking up two flights of stairs at all. We'd be looking for the elevator, come on. They carry a grown man up the stairs, two floors, and the the, the the roof would have been a lot of mud, sticks, tile, so they would have had to dig. They would have had to do some things. They probably would have gotten cut up a little bit. They're sweating. They may be bleeding. They're, they're working hard to get the miracle. Sometimes we wait for the miracle, and sometimes God is calling us to, to work for the miracle. They're, they're, they're up there now. Now they're lowering him in. Can you think about how that, they would have been trying to figure that out. Like How do they get this man to... Jesus, and this is a really inappropriate thought, but I just wanna throw it out there because this is what I was thinking about this week. There's, there's, there's freedom in repentance. I was thinking, why did they have to lower him? He's already paralyzed. <laughs> I know, I know. Not a lack of compassion, but they're getting there. They say their faith healed him. Their, their faith, they had faith that Jesus was gonna heal him. Just, Jesus, catch. <laughs> it's just how I read it, just, I'm, that's why I would never be in a Bible story. God <laughs> would not use me. As I looked deeper into the story, I saw different characters in the story, different supporting cast, a main character. What I wanna do in our time together, closing out the series, Too Good To Not Believe, is I wanna show you the people that you should have in your life. As we get ready to launch small groups and they are not A system at Action Church, they're not something that we just do, we believe that life change happens in the context of relationships. That you need four men, you need four people, you need four friends that will take you to Jesus. And I wanna talk about them in just a moment. But first, I kinda wanna present this as a a math equation. We have an answer and we have some different variables that we need. We need to add some things, subtract some things, and multiply some things. And and ultimately, the the solution is still the same. I need you to write this down. I wanna start with the end, I wanna start with the solution. Write this down, Jesus is the solution. In this story, in your life, in the story that he's writing for your life, our God is too good to not believe. Jesus is the solution. You say, Pastor, what's the question? What's the equation? It doesn't matter. Jesus is the solution to your relationship difficulty Jesus is a solution to your addiction Jesus is a solution to the problems of this world Jesus is the solution receiving Jesus is the first step is the foundation for everything we need to understand that Jesus Christ is the solution what's the question doesn't matter he's the solution can you imagine this man Having to depend on people for his whole life and then in one moment he realizes the only person he ever needed to depend on was Jesus. That Jesus did for him in one moment what nobody could ever do for him. Forgave him for eternity, then changed the way that he walked. Jesus is the solution. But none of this would have been possible without the four friends. They're not the main character, but if we're giving out Oscars, they are best supporting actors. They're a big part of the story. Because without friends to carry him to Jesus, the man would have sat in his condition of paralyzed, can't walk, can't move. We need friends like that. Notice it says, seeing their faith, that the faith of his four friends are what healed him, or what Jesus noticed. So write this down, we need to add some things in our life. We need to add, we need to add some friends who will support us. We need to add friends who support you. To be very clear, not that I always agree with you. Not that tell you what you want to hear. No, friends that tell you what you need to hear. You need friends who support you in the journey that God has you on. That's why the first way they support you, write this down, friends who support you spiritually. You and I need friends who support us spiritually. Come on, do you have people that pray for you? I mean, really pray for you, Intercede for you, for your kids, for your needs. You have people that engage in spiritual warfare, driving back the enemy for your life. Do you have people that point you to Jesus? Do you have people that are willing to work to carry you to Jesus? And if you don't, you need to get some. You need friends who spiritually support you who push you to Jesus, who make you want to be more like Jesus. You need friends who spiritually support you. Here's the second one. You need friends to support you practically. This one's not spiritual. This one's not super complex. You just need to have some friends that when you ask for help, they help. I thought about it this way. You need friends that when you're moving, they're gonna help you load the truck. That's a real friend. If you have friends that will help you move, you know you can count on them for life. And here's the thing, if you're the person inviting, be an honest friend and tell them that you haven't packed anything and you live on the third <laughs> floor of the apartment. If I show up to move you, and it was not clearly communicated what the expectation was, our friendship will end when I see those stairs. <laughs> you need friends that'll make you food. And hopefully you have some friends that'll make food that you actually wanna eat. <laughs> I got some friends that's like, nah, give me a gift card. Just kidding, but seriously, you know what I mean? You're like, hey, you're a great friend, but not a great cook. (laughs) You need friends that'll watch your kids for free. They charge you for it, it's not not a friendship. You you need friends that will be there when you need them. Just practically be there. You have a need, they're there to meet. Here's the third one, you need friends that will support you emotionally. You need friends that will support you emotionally. They'll ask you how you're doing and actually listen for the response. You need friends that won't take the response at face value. Yeah. Wow. How are you doing? No. No, really. Not just how are you. Anybody can say no, how are you? Right. Right. When I see it on your eyes, I see it in your face. I saw your little tense. your, impatience. How are you doing? You gotta be close enough to know that. We need some friends who will support us emotionally. We have to let them in. We have to surround ourselves with people that are actually for us. Here's the the most important one. This is how you really know who, who your friends are. Friends who support you in spite of you. Like on your worst days. When you're not your best. This man was paralyzed. He didn't have a lot to offer his friends in the practical. And most scholars believe that his paralysis was self-inflicted. So track with me. He had friends who knew that his paralysis was something that he did, not because of his sin, but actually a condition that he got from sinning. So his friends didn't say, well, we told you that was gonna happen. Well, obviously, you made those decisions, so it led to, to this. Have you ever been in a tough spot and need to be reminded of how you got there? That ever helped you? I don't need people to remind me of how I got there. I need people to remind me that God's still got a plan for me. He's got a purpose for me. Just be that type of friend. People that will will support you, support you even in spite of you, in spite of you. Wrote this down, maybe your paralysis isn't physical today. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's anxiety, depression, sin. You need to get some people around you that will carry you through, that will carry you to the feet of Jesus. You need friends who aren't afraid to say that I'm here regardless of your struggle, if you're hurting, there's no place I'd rather be than right here with you. Real friends who point you to Jesus, carry you to Jesus, or even drag you to Jesus. I wanna ask you a couple questions before we move on to the next people group. I wanna ask some questions about how you're doing as a friend, not just the friends we need, but the friends we need to be. Here's a question, do I bring my friends closer to Jesus? I wanna reflect on that this week. People that I'm close to, do do I draw them into a closer relationship with Jesus? The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. Are you leading people to Jesus? Here's a second one. How do I respond to those closest to me in times of difficulty? How do I respond to those closest to me in times of difficulty? Here's another one. Am I willing to climb through the challenges of their lives and dig through the tiles of dirt to lower them to Jesus? And Here's one that they got me this week. How much do I actually care about people? The questions I think if we reflect on, we will be people, we will be friends that support those that God has called us to do life with. Let's go back to scripture, verse 17. Let's talk about the next group of people. It says, one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men that showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem, as the Lord's healing power was strong among them. A different translation, it says, it seemed these men showed up from everywhere. There are some people in your life that you need to add, but write this down, there's some people that you need to subtract. Subtract those who are trying to divide, distract, or destroy you. They came from everywhere. What I found is that religious people, they love drama. <laughs> just in general, people love drama. And if they don't have it, they'll just create it. Like there's nothing to see here. Jesus is just teaching and healing people. But it didn't fit into their narrative. They couldn't control it. They didn't like it. It was, they, they, they spent their whole life studying for this very moment and they missed it. Because we can be so focused on what we're doing and who we are and we miss the thing that's happening right in front of us. So it came from everywhere. Not to help, not to greet, not to pray. Not to counsel, but just to watch. Isn't it amazing how people need to subtract the critics, the cynics, the negative people? They do a lot more watching than working. It says they talked amongst themselves in the scripture. They got in a little group and they they gossip. See, truth always stands on its own, but gossip and lies, it needs people to keep carrying. Do some self-reflection this week. What does your group of friends look like? What do your conversations look like? Are you talking about what God is doing in your life, what he's done in your life, what he could do in your life? Are you talking about making a positive impact for people? Are you talking about how you can build your business or build your family to build the kingdom of God? Or do you and your group of friends just talk about what everybody else is not doing? Subtract the people in your life that are keeping you from God's best, that are keeping you from your focus being on reaching people, connecting people, helping people. Wasting time. We talked about the physical and spiritual change earlier. If you're operating in that, we need to be careful that our physical walk is not counterfeiting our spiritual claim. See, so many people that claim spirituality, claim to be close with God, claim to be a leader, yet they spend their whole life tearing down others. You cannot watch and work. And I don't know about you, but I got too much stuff to work on in myself to be worried about what other people have going on. I've got a mirror and I've got a Bible, and I know that I'm nowhere near who I need to be, so I don't have time to be worried about who else somebody else should be. I got enough work to do right here. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, I used to come at this, I was young and immature. Eight years ago, you would've heard me, I would've just been blasting these religious leaders, critics and cynics, but here's the thing, we're all just people making mistakes. People are gonna let you down, I'm gonna let you down. People are gonna make mistakes, I'm gonna make mistakes. Let's never allow the enemy to convince us that people are the enemy, he's just distracting us so we don't attack the actual Think. people are not the enemy, people are the point. And the enemy wants you to give up on church, he wants you to give up on friends, he wants you to give up on marriage, he wants you to give up on things, he wants to distract you because he knows if he distracts you, he's got you. So what do we do? We do what Jesus did in this passage. How do we deal with people? What did Jesus do? He didn't even listen first up. He didn't he's like, yeah, yeah, great, healed. <laughs> Listened back to the mission. You were saying, I'm, oh yeah, I still got people to heal right now, so thank you. But look at what we did earlier in the story. He forgave. He forgave before the healing. I think some of us will continue to wait for our healing, our miracle, our breakthrough, until we settle what's going on on the inside of us. I think we need to forgive. Look at this on the screen, forgiveness. Forgiveness is the greatest miracle because it came with the highest price tag. Jesus gave his light so that God could forgive you and I from our sins. Forgiveness is the greatest miracle. Not cancer, not relationships restored, not addictions broken, forgiveness. Salvation is the greatest miracle of all time. And forgiveness often precedes the breakthrough. You and I gotta forgive. Why? Because sometimes people suck. I heard a pastor say one time, he wakes up every morning. He said, I pray in advance to forgive. I forgive, he said, I forgive so many people because I hate so many people. <laughs> you gotta pray. How do you forgive somebody? You pray for them. You cannot hate somebody you're praying for. Because you cannot invite God into that situation. It says God is love. You cannot invite God in that situation and still hate people. It actually says this in Scripture. This is not opinion. Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five says this. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That makes sense. That sounds like our, our country, that sounds like our, our, our nation, that sounds like our world. If you agree with me, we am all in. If you don't agree with me, we are at war. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Jesus took that level to the next level to the next level. I just just don't know that I, on most days, get that right. You ever heard that statement? Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Jesus. I don't believe you. I don't want to do that. It's tough, it's a big step. But if you take it, there's peace that follows freedom that follows. You gotta subtract some things. Are you saying subtract people? Yes. From loving them and praying for them? No. I'm talking about healthy boundaries. So that you have people that are for you in your circle and you have people that are still mission, on the mission that God has for you. But I'm just here to tell you some people may be out of your sphere of influence based off of what they've done, what you've done. Does it mean that we love them less? It just means that we change. We change the closeness gotta add, we gotta subtract. Here's the last one. We gotta multiply your influence. Multiply your influence by moving from the crowd to calling. We gotta move from the crowd to the calling. The Bible says they gathered in the home, it was full, even overflowing the house. So they could not get to Jesus. These men had their friend and he had a need and Jesus was right there, but there was something blocking them. They gathered in such a way that people that had a need couldn't get to Jesus. So here's what I wanna close with today, the idea of receiving over consuming. The first step is always listening to Jesus and following Jesus. But if you take this story and you actually look at, the people that were listening to Jesus were actually blocking this paralyzed man from getting to Jesus. So if we get so stuck as a church and as a body of believers, in consuming what God is doing just for us, we at some point could be in the way of what he wants to do for somebody else. What I mean by that is we can't just watch, we have to work. What if these crowd would have made a way, what if they would have noticed, we're so busy on what God needs to do for us that we forget he's supposed to do something in us so we can do something Through us, I need to be very clear that we are all about receiving all that God has for us. That's why we say we gather as a church so that we can grow together through the learning of the Word and then we can go out into the community. What if we went from the crowd to actually pursuing a calling, not just making it about us, but making it about others? What if there was somebody opening the door for this man? What if there's somebody in the parking lot waiting to greet him, parking the camels? What if there was somebody that said, hey, we got a wheelchair, I hadn't been invented yet, but go with me. <laughs> what if we just had people that weren't so focused on what God could do? Don't, don't let your faith ever become selfish, is what I'm saying. You have gotta receive before you can give away. So don't ever get all about the giving that you don't receive, but the receiving should not stop with you. You're called to be a receiver of God's grace, a recipient of God's grace, but not a consumer, because consumption stops with you. When I receive it and give it, I'm operating like God wants us to operate. What does that look like? It means making a way for people to come to Jesus. And I don't know what that is for you. I don't know if it's action steps. I don't know if it's the connection track. I don't know if it's a small group. I don't know what it is. I'm just asking us to never be a church that settles just to be in the crowd. And then we're always looking around saying, where are the needs and how can I meet them? And how we meet them is allowing people a path Pushing people, carrying people, dragging people, bribing people, whatever it is, just get them, just get them to Jesus. I wanna close with the with story right before this one. We talked a lot about getting in relationships today, adding some things, subtracting some things, multiplying some things, Jesus always being the solution. But the story right before, where Jesus heals the man of leprosy, is a perfect story, it's a perfect. Symbolic representation of what he wants to do in your life and my life spiritually. Leprosy oftentimes in the Bible was a, a figurative or symbolic of sin. Why? Because once you get it, it spreads, it deteriorates. Your body literally begins to rot itself. That's what sin does. When you allow it to get on a little bit of you, it doesn't just stay there, it begins to spread, and it begins to destroy, and it begins to rot. So as we read this leprosy, let's read it from the eyes of something that we can understand, and it's our our own sin. Verse 12, and then we'll bring it, uh, to get some context from the Old Testament in just a second. It says, in one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, can you heal me and make me clean? Jesus reached out and he touched him. That's important. This man would have been ceremonially unclean, which means he shouldn't have been around Jesus or others but he was because he knew Jesus could heal him. He made his way to Jesus, he pushed through, but then Jesus was not supposed to touch him. The religious leaders, they, they would have been in an uproar That a clean, Man would touch an unclean man with leprosy. And I just need to tell somebody today, there is nothing you've said, there's nothing you've done, there's nothing that God cannot touch, that Jesus came to touch even the darkest places of your life, the things that nobody else wants to do. with. That's why he's the solution to everything, because there's places in your life that cannot be touched, that cannot be changed without the power of God. Reached out, he touched him. I'm willing, he said, be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. That's what happens when we're saved. Process of justification, you're justified by faith. Instantly, when the blood of Jesus covers you, when you say, I no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. When you say, Jesus be the Lord of my life, that's what happens, it's instant. Just go to the priest and let him examine you. Take on the offering required by the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Just go to the priest. He's citing something from Leviticus 14 are about to land a sermon on a salvation message from Leviticus 14. You're welcome. I've been with the Lord this week. Leviticus 14, you're like, what is that? That's the Old Testament book of the Bible. And there's a ceremony the priest would do, and I, I just, this whole idea of too good to not believe, I've been talking to my, to my son Bentley just about the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God and, and how we don't just know it because we, we've studied it and we don't just know it because we've experienced it, but there's so much prophecy, there's so much foreshadowing, there's so much stuff that happened in the Old Testament to then symbolize, written thousands of years before, to then symbolize what Jesus would do. You just gotta see this as it comes to God, removing our our sin and our shame, our spiritual leprosy, if you will. The ceremony after being healed for leprosy was this. The ceremony described in Leviticus 14 presents a beautiful picture of the work of redemption, salvation, and grace. They bring in two birds, either turtle doves, if they were wealthier, or pigeons if they didn't have as much money. The two birds represent two different aspects of Jesus' ministry. His life, his incarnation, and his death, and then his resurrection and his ascension. This picture is thousands of years before. The two birds represent this. The first bird is incarnation and death. The bird would be put into a jar and then killed. Dead and put in the grave. The second bird would would have the first bird's blood sprinkled on it and it would be set free to live the rest of its life, to go back and fly. And that is his resurrection and his ascension. A picture of what Jesus is gonna do thousands of years before. A picture that he was dead, buried in a grave. He died for your sins so that you don't have to. And, he was, and the, the blood put on the bird shows us that when the blood of Jesus is put on us, that we can fly, that we can be free, that we can fulfill all that God has for us. What happens here in this this ceremony, before that, they they sacrifice a lamb. And so the, the lamb's blood is then placed on the man or woman healed with leprosy. And the blood was applied in three different spots. You gotta catch this. Once you've been healed, once you've been set free, once you've been restored, this man or woman is gonna walk out with blood on their right ear, representing God's Word. That when you're healed from leprosy, when you're healed from sin and shame, when you have a new mind, your renewing of your mind is what needs to happen is through God's Word, not man's opinion. The blood is placed in your right ear so that you walk in God's path, in God's worth, in God's truth. It's placed on your right thumb, the blood of the Lamb on your right thumb. Why? To represent God's work. Once you've been changed and set free and healed, He's got work for you to do. We're not saved by our works so that no man could boast, but we are saved to do good works. Faith without works is dead, James says. So he puts blood on our thumb, saying, I got God's work for you to do. Then he puts blood on the right big toe, saying, now you're gonna walk God's walk. And when you get up from that mat, when you get up from that paralysis, when you get up from, from that leprosy that's been decaying your body, you're gonna walk different, Jesus, Jesus. Right before he walks out, he gets the oil and he places the oil over the ear, over the thumb, and over the toe. After the blood, I need you to hear today that the blood of Jesus saves you, the life of Jesus saves you, the death of Jesus saves you, the resurrection of Jesus, it saves you. You have to have the blood of Jesus to cover over your past. Without that, you will be held accountable. But you cannot get the power to live differently without the Holy Spirit, and you cannot get access to the Holy Spirit without the blood of Jesus. The oil is applied over the blood that we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and then we gain access to the Holy Spirit that can actually cause us to be a better friend, to be a better leader, to walk in the place and the purpose that God has for us. So that's what I wanna offer you today. Healing from spiritual lepers, salvation. Forgiveness, the greatest miracle that you could ever see or receive is that for your life to be changed, your eternity to be changed. How do I do that, Pastor? You receive Jesus, the blood that he shed for you is forgiveness. His body broken so that you could be made whole. His resurrection so that you could have victory in Jesus' name. I wanna give you that opportunity right now, Winter Park, in Sanford, Oviedo, South, online. Would you bow your heads, every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we love you. God, we thank you. We praise you for this word in Luke 5, Mark chapter two. Thank you that it would, if we allow it, it would change us. Church, nobody looking around or moving, just for a moment, but that's you. And you need to be healed today. You need to be cleansed today of your sin. You need to receive this God who is too good to not believe And today is your day of believing. Today is your day of salvation. Maybe today is your day of recommitment. You're gonna step out from just consuming, you're gonna receive what Jesus did it's gonna change everything about who you are, where you're going. So come on, if you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life today for the very first time, or by recommitting your life for the first time in a long time, would you you raise your hand right where you are? Got you, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, a couple more in the back, gotcha, yep, yep, yep. Go Vito. south and Sanford, online. Just a couple more moments, anybody else, yeah? I need Jesus in my life, I need to receive all that he's done for me. Spiritual healing in Jesus' name. It's amazing, I'm proud of you. Humble to share this moment with you. You can put your hands down pray this in your hearts. I pray it out loud. Say something like this. Say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you. I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. God, I give you that place today, complete and total control. Have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. God, I pray for all of us as we exit this series and begin to head into a season of inviting and reaching new people, God, I pray we'd walk differently. God, move us from consuming to receiving and then from receiving to, to reaching people in Jesus' name. God, I pray a small group start. I pray that you would add some healthy, honest, authentic relationships to our lives, people that support us in every area. And God, I pray Holy Spirit, you'd allow us, show us who needs to be subtracted. Jesus, we give you all the glory. for What you're doing in us, what you're gonna do through us. It's in your name we pray. And everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Church, can we celebrate all the decisions? Come on, really celebrate them, we're so proud of you.